Thank you so much, band. <clears throat> Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for your word, which is eternal, Lord. For your word, which is always true, it is timeless, Lord. Unchanged by culture, unchanged by the shifting sands of time. You are constant, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we come before you this morning as one who knows the ways of life. The one who would show us the ways of life and and says to us, walk in it. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our counselor and our advocate and our intercessor. And we ask this morning, God, that by your Spirit, you would grant us understanding, grant us sight, grant us all the freedom that is in Christ, that we may be free of the things that weigh us down, the things that confuse us, the things that choke us. Lord, we thank you for your presence this morning and that when you speak truth, you bring freedom, Lord. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so it is September, and you guys have me for September. Um, There we go. We've got that picture up there. You can leave that picture up there for a while. Um, So this morning I'm preaching on storehouses, uh, which might be an odd topic, odd name for your title. The other title was Love and Storehouses, but now it's just Storehouses. Um, And Debbie and Ronald have been taking us through love, and for the rest of September I'm going to be speaking on uh, taking us through the parable of what we know to be the parable parable of the prodigal son. Um, But I really have this word on my heart. God's really been speaking to me about this, about storehouses. Now what you've got in the picture there is a barn and some silos. um, And it all makes sense. But just allow that picture to settle in. And actually, I believe sometimes for us to see properly, you need to look at a couple of things at the same time. The analogy that I have is if you are shooting your weapon of choice, a rifle or a bow or whatever it is, you actually have to look at the sights and at the target at the same time. If you look only through the sights, you might go this way. If you look at the target without lining up the sights, you're going to miss. And um, I believe that, that God wants us to look at storehouses this morning and I trust that it will become clearer. But as we look at this at the same time as love, that it clarifies love for us. And that love clarifies storehouses for us. Um, It also ties into, right, in fact, our first service of the year. um, We felt the Lord speak to us about generosity. And it was rooted in the scripture in Proverbs 11.24, which is not on the screen. But it says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Um, Another person, I don't know who it was, but famously said that the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. And I think for us, as believers, we can agree with that in a way. You know, Christian love is not 
the absence of hating other people. I mean, most people pretty much tick that box. If that's all that love is, is not hating other people. Uh, but where the rubber hits the road for Christians is loving your enemies. It really is a higher call. Um, and so often, an improper relationship with our storehouses, with our possessions, with our resources, can actually make us cold in love to other people. It can make us indifferent to the needs of others and can actually cool love down, right down, towards God and other people when we have an improper relationship with the things we own, with our finances, with our storehouses. Um, and this is God has been speaking to me about this. So I believe it's, I believe it's in season. But, um, <clears throat> and scripture link, makes this link all the time between love and actually then showing love with the things that you have. Scripture always links those two. And so I'm really trusting that through this passage of Scripture that we're going to study this morning, that God brings us greater freedom to love even more, to love more than we've loved before. Um, and I'm trusting for Him to do that for us this morning. So maybe just a bit of a background to where it came from, a little bit of a testimony. Um, maybe I'll say, who here has ever worried about money or having enough money? Okay. See, I don't have to change the topic to lying for some of us because we're at least honest about that, um, about worrying whether we have enough, whether we'll have enough tomorrow, whether we'll have enough in two years' time. And in many ways in our circles, that kind of fear is ingrained in us because what if? And the insurance people phone you and they say, what if? And it's all about future provision. And we spend a lot of time worrying about that. And I am just such a man. Um, where it all started is I was actually doing some payments, um, as one does, debit orders and paying this one and paying that one and um so somewhere last year sarah and i took a faith step as we believe god led us for it to stay at home and so on so i've become like uh, way more conscious of money that's there and money that's not there um and it has actually became came a bit of a worry you know you've got savings up there and you say now you're using savings and now you're stressed because that buffer zone's not there my emergency fund is not there blah 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 blah, blah. the fact of the matter is at the end of the day many of us have a whole bunch of storehouses actually um, and we worry about them and so anyway my storehouse was getting real low and um when i was making payments and it was just funny i was driving to work that day and it might sound like a funny story to you guys but it really spoke to me um pulled up to the robot in front of me one of these pied crows, almost a national bird of South Africa. They're everywhere. Um, on the road in front of me, picking up a chip or something. and I don't know, something in me just made me not pull it straight up behind the other guy and leave this space. And I just looked at this crow, and it was like in that moment, God reminded me of a couple of things. First thing he reminded me of was this, one of my favorite songs ever. Um, it's a hymn, it was a hymn written by William Cooper or Cowper, I don't know how you know, say his name, but a very famous guy, a friend of Isaac Newton who wrote Amazing Grace. This guy wrote um, There Is a Fountain and a whole bunch of other beautiful songs of our time. But he wrote this one called He Who Feeds the Ravens. And um, <clears throat> there's a musician who's done an awesome rendition of it called Josh White. So you can look it up if you're interested. Josh White, He Who Feeds the Ravens. But um, I'll just tell you one of the verses. It goes, So free from present sorrow... We cheerfully can say, even let the unknown morrow bring with it what it may. Beneath the spreading heavens. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, 
He who gives the lilies clothing will clothe his people too. Beneath the spreading heavens, no creature but is fed. And he who feeds the ravens will give his children bread. Um, And that got me thinking and that reminded me of scripture. It reminded me of the passage in Luke 12 and the, the parable of the rich fool that Jesus tells to the people around him, which is storehouses. So the word storehouses just kept coming up. I was reading about my storehouses. I was reminded, hey, the birds don't have storehouses. Like this crow has no bank account. The crows have no storehouses, yet the Lord feeds them. Why does Jesus tell us that parable? Is it because it's a cute story, or is he actually trying to tell us something very, very, very practical? And I believe he is. The more I pondered it and meditated upon it, I felt God speaking to me through it, and now I trust that he's going to speak to all of us through it as we look at Scripture. So, without further ado, let us read Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 34. So the people were gathered around Jesus, and someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and then he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool! This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and the Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So before we get into it, I'm just going to say this is not a talk on biblical finances. Um, You can get that elsewhere 
uh, and there are a lot of ways to talk about how Christians should manage their money. But what I really want us to do today and to hear from God is the two things that Jesus says, which are universal at all times, in all places, with all resources that you might ever get. Um, so I want us to focus on that. So let's go to the start of the parable. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And now that's interesting for me because there I feel like we can reasonably believe that the inheritance represented additional money to what he maybe already had. Um, I don't know if there's anyone over here who's ever fought over money that you don't actually have or fought over money that's not even yours. How many families get torn apart by fights over inheritance? How many, how many brothers will reject relationship with other brothers and sisters for the sake of additional money, their parents' money? So many fights and divisions happen in relationships over something like that. Jesus then says to him, though Jesus is Lord over all the earth, the judge of all the universe, he says, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? In a way, we see Jesus' disinterest, actually, with this squabble. He's not all too keen on diving into the details of this fight these brothers are having about money, which is interesting to me. Um, As we read now, it's not that Jesus is disinterested in meeting our needs or taking care of us. To the contrary, he belabors that point. But he says, this fight that you guys are having about your more money, I'm not actually too interested in. And he expected them to possibly just resolve it themselves in a loving way. And in his response, with this backdrop, um, Jesus doesn't affirm or announce rules on money management. As I say, it's not what he goes into and what is acceptable to Christians or what is not. But he does make two main points in this parable. Well, in the parable and in the portion after it. And those two are, the first one being, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. The second one is, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, you'll be taken care of. So he says to them, prompted by this man's preoccupation with more wealth, he says to him, and he takes an opportunity to, to, to give some perspective to his hearers, and he says, take care and be on your guard. He says that because it is a very easy trap for all of us to fall into. He says, be on your guard against all covetousness. Now, covetousness is like greed or just wanting a little more or just having more of this or more of that or wanting what that person has. That, that desire that's in every single human being, which almost needs no prompting, Jesus says, you really need to keep your thumb on that thing. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness and pursuit of wealth or pursuit of more. Four, One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In saying that, he almost gives a definition of covetousness. When he says one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, covetousness almost says, my well-being is attached to how much I have, whether I have this and this or this or that, or whether I have more. Covetousness is attaching your well-being, your life, your satisfaction, your joy to things like that. And Jesus says, as the rest of Scripture does over and over, don't make that link. You will be sorely disappointed and you will be hurt. It will not satisfy what it's promising. Maybe we can quickly go to some of those Scriptures. In 1 Timothy 
we see something very similar. Um, 1 Timothy 6, chap- 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Pangs are like, you know when you're fasting and you day two, you get that, that hit of pain in your stomach, that's a pang. He's saying, yeah, people have pierced themselves with many such hurts by pursuing wealth, by following the craving for more. And we're tempted yet to think of the richest, rich and famous. Everyone else richer than us. And oh yes, they're in big trouble. But this, anyone can have this desire. Let me just make that plain. Whatever your station is, however you compare to the guy below you or above you, everyone is susceptible to this craving. Everyone is susceptible to this temptation to pursue more wealth. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is just the most beautiful thing about scripture. It almost always makes these promises at the same time. It says, don't go that way. God will take care of you. Don't serve that thing. God will take care of you. It's constant throughout Scripture. <clears throat> and it's all throughout. It's James and Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes actually even goes so far as to say, and this thing I've seen when he's summing up all the things he's observed in life, that all ambition comes from man's envy of his neighbor. That just blew my brain when I read that. Because ambition's good, right? Ambition is awesome. We're always celebrating and honoring ambition. Now, without getting into too many definitions there, I think the main point is, which we can ask ourselves, how much of our ambition, whether it's success at career or success at this thing, is to get wealth so that we can have what we saw someone else having? It underlies so much of our decision-making. Even the kind of house we want or the place we live or the kind of jobs we want, so much is derived from seeing someone else have it. And we think, oh, I must have that. And then we add layer upon layer and we actually forget that that was maybe the motivation of this project that I'm busy with or this trend that I'm on. I saw, ooh, Nodia's got this. Ooh, I also want it. I better work harder and get what he has. So... You can read almost anywhere in scripture and you'll get the same message about this. So he tells them a parable. To drive it home, he tells them a parable about the rich food. Sorry, rich fool. (laughs) Rich food can also make you sick. Also give you pangs. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. 
and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I want you to think of that picture that was on the screen earlier. This man had storehouses, places to keep the things, you know. But when he was already rich, when he got more, he said, I think I should keep this for myself. So he tears them down and builds bigger ones. And then he says to his soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And at this point, I want to say, what is the essence of this man's folly? So folly is, if you are a fool, you commit folly. So folly is just foolishness. What is the essence of it? I think the essence of it here, what Jesus is saying, is that this additional wealth, this additional stuff that he stored up, represented to him something he could trust in, something he could put his confidence in. He could now say to his soul, Relax, you've got enough for all your years. Have a good time. I don't think the essence is really whether you have a store, not a storehouse or not, as much as what your relationship with that storehouse is. Because the converse is also true. If your storehouse is dwindling, that can be your anxiety. This guy's folly was that his bulging storehouse was his confidence. The converse folly is just this as applicable that a dwindling or empty or absent storehouse can become your anxiety. And we can flip between those very, very easily, but both reflect an attachment of well-being to the condition of my storehouse. And it is this that Jesus says, take care. Please don't go there. Please don't make that attachment. It will hurt you. God says to him that night, fool, exclamation mark. This night your soul is required of you. Things can change very quickly. If your storehouse is super empty, it can become super full in an instant. If it's super full, it can become super empty in an instant as well. Neither of these things are sure. Things can change very quickly. And in this case, it was this man's life. God said tonight, tonight your life is over. These things that you've prepared, whose will they be? What has come of your confidence in your storehouse? Similarly, things can change and you say, well, what has come of all this anxiety that you entertained about your storehouse? You were stressful. You stayed awake at night because your storehouse didn't look how you thought it should look. But man, tomorrow, who knows, the Lord could come back and what came of that? Or anything could change very quickly. Why have we entertained that anxiety? So he says to the fool and the consequent selfishness that that either of these attachments to your storehouse is caught, whether it's hoarding or self-preservation or stressing or fighting, like this guy's fighting with his brother about the inheritance. All of these things that you will do will come from attaching your well-being to the state of your storehouse, whether it's increasing or decreasing. <clears throat> and we might scoff again and say, that, oh, what a silly error that rich man made, but all of us is susceptible to this. Jesus says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now that rich toward God might seem strange, but maybe we can quickly go to Psalm 62, saying the same thing. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Proverbs tells us, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. So at this point I want to say, whichever folly we're committing, 
You know, if there's a confidence in our storehouse that's causing us to become self-sufficient and selfish towards others and to hoard things, God wants to break that attachment and say, start sharing. Just start sharing. And that's, that's the essence of the richness towards God is this man wouldn't share. He kept it for himself. But Jesus is saying, share. That, that shows a, a heart in the right space towards God and the people around you. And if your folly is that you have anxiety because your storehouse is low, you've got no rest, you've got no joy, you've got no peace, Jesus is saying, and we'll get into that in the next section, this is actually not your care to pick up. As we're going to see, he says, these birds don't have a storehouse. I don't see many starving ravens flying around. They all got food. God will take care of you. So if you have that anxiety because of a small storehouse or a dwindling storehouse, put that care down. God will take care of you. Break that attachment and start to share what you have. Let's go to the next section. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, the body more than clothing. We read earlier in Timothy, it's interesting what Jesus says here. He says, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Those are the two things that he talks about. It's almost like as if, if there were legitimate needs that you could worry about, Jesus says those are taken care of. We saw in Timothy earlier, he says, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. It's quite interesting. It's for me, I, I see it almost like a benchmark for contentment in Scripture. It's like it's saying if you have food and clothing, like it's actually enough. But our struggle is, is contentment. I mean, that was my struggle. When I realized I was stressing about a dwindling storehouse, I was like, you know, as for food and clothing, I'm, I'm good. I've got food like for weeks in my house. Never mind what this, where all this money's gone, all these people I'm paying. I've got clothes. And I think it's, it's, it's not, I think Jesus is very deliberate in saying food and clothing. It's not analogous of careers and cars and all these things. And the thing is, God can give you the things that you need to do the things that you need to do for him, right? If he wants you to work there or be at a certain place, he can give you cars and he can even give you a nice car and he can even give you whatever else you need. But the benchmark for contentment is actually food and clothing. At least that's what I see here in scripture. And similarly, how much of our worries are about future provision? Jesus uh, in the, actually the same passage of scripture, but in Matthew, he says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow when he's teaching them the Lord's prayer. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And when he's teaching us how to pray in the Lord's prayer, he says, give us today our daily bread. So if I have to put a concern about provision in 20 years time, and what I need to put in my storehouse now, and how I need to maintain my storehouse now, and how I need to keep this that comes in for me and my storehouse for 20 years' time, all the burden and baggage and stress and heaviness that comes with that, next to Jesus saying, oh man, if you've got food and clothes, you're actually good. Uh, as for tomorrow, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. 
each day's got enough trouble of its own. And then he says, give us today our daily bread. Your prayer life to God is to be for your daily bread. How much lighter can you travel? How much lighter can you live with? How much more joy in your heart and in your life, in relationships, can you have? If that, that's all you're after. And God's taking care of that already anyway. This side and the stress about the storehouse, it's actually not worth it. And Jesus is saying, yeah, it's not ours to carry. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? He's saying something very simple, but we often miss it because we actually often live like, I need to take care of myself. I need to make sure that I've done what I can do so that I'm taken care of. Jesus says, the birds don't have a storehouse, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? But we don't believe in that value sometimes. We, don't, we believe we need to earn it because we need to earn our income. We need to earn our provision. We need to, all these things. God can provide for you. And he says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? What we saw with the rich fool um, and his confidence in the storehouse, it actually presented a false security. He said to himself, I've got a lot. I can chill. I'm sorted. God says, this night, your life's required of you. All of the stuff that you've saved up, what about that now? It was a false security. And that is what, I mean, that's also throughout Scripture. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them because like this, they can be gone. Confidence in a big storehouse is a false security. At the same time, Jesus, when he says, which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Anxiety about a dwindling storehouse is a false provision. Right? We worry because we think if we worry, then I can do something and then the provision can be there. Jesus says, you can't even add a centimeter to your height by worrying. So, we, we almost take comfort sometimes in the anxiety, or not comfort, but we worry about the provision and we think the anxiety about it is going to bring it. That's a false provision. Jesus says, you worrying has no link to bringing in provision. That's not how provision comes. Your anxiety is not the trigger to God bringing you provision. God's love for you is the trigger to him giving you provision at all times and in all places. If you are not able, you are not able. Jesus is saying you are not able to make provision for yourself by, by worrying. Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? And I think what's, what's beautiful here is, is I'm not preaching like a, a minimalism or, you know, no one's made righteous by their minimalism. I don't know. The minimalists that I've met have, have been quite self-righteous about it um, and a bit irritating. So this is not what Jesus is after. Jesus is saying, God's not utilitarian like, cool, you've got rags and you've got rice. You sorted. Like, stop asking for more. God is not that kind of God. God is able to, Scripture says, He's able to provide richly all things for us to enjoy. He, 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 
I mean, it is flower season now. You've probably gone up the west coast to check that out. But I mean, those, those fields of flowers, we drive hours to go and see them. But in a month or two, they're gone. It's more beauty than we can actually even come up with. But God clothes flowers that get trampled on. People see they're gone. God clothes them with such a beauty that Solomon's beauty couldn't even compare with that. Solomon, being the richest man with the richest kingdom, had nothing on that. Jesus is saying, you guys, if you guys are doubting it, you miss understanding God's actual value of you. You miss understanding how much he loves you and how warm and how rich his father's heart is to take care of you. <clears throat> how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And there Jesus, that's basically the root of both follies. It's a absence of faith or low faith in God's care of you that will cause you to do either one of those things. Build up a big storehouse for yourself or worry about a small one. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. All these wrong relations with our storehouse are actually mere worldliness. Your Father knows. Your Father knows. Your Father knows that you need these things. So stop being preoccupied with them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these will be added to you. And yeah, we can reflect the fact that God has storehouses, right? I mean, God says the whole earth is mine. The earth and the fullness thereof is mine. It all belongs to him and he's ever ready to give it. He's got storehouses. We don't have to build up our own <clears throat> because of a lack of faith. He says, fear not, little flock. I will not leave you to the wolves. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. How much of our worry comes from that alone? Theft. Someone's going to take my stuff. Someone is going to take my car. Someone's going to take this. And again, this is not a financial talk. I'm not saying insurance good, insurance bad, any of that thing. But I'm just talking about how much we are driven by fears tied to possessions and that's what God wants to address for where your treasure is there your heart will be also when he says sell your possessions and give to the needy he's saying share just share what you've got like share pursue the well-being of others when our well-being is attached to our storehouse we become selfish whether it's big or whether it's small the outflow of that is selfishness he says share Put your heart out for the needs of others and pursue their well-being. So I'm about to finish and the band's going to place, we're going to do some worship again just now and just allow the Lord to speak to us. But really the essence of this is Jesus is calling us to radical trust as well as a radical release from worry. We shouldn't remove the words of Jesus from Jesus himself, you know. It can feel like, oh, you know, this is a hard word. And it's, it's, a hard, it, it's Jesus, gentle, lowly, meek and mild, with such deep love for you, who is saying this. Okay, so don't separate those words and, and feel like you're being beaten about with hard words. 
Jesus, in all his tenderness and his love and his care, is saying, I just want to break that attachment because I will take care of you. He calls us to a radical trust and a radical freedom. I mean, how much freedom can you have if the state of your storehouse is not the indicator of your joy? Whether your storehouse is low or small, you say, okay, fine. Lord, if I need to service my car, if my car breaks next week and I need to service, major service, I'm sure you can provide for me. But if you're worrying about future worries and trying to make future things, your world can become small and compressed. So what Jesus is after here is actually a radical freedom for us in our hearts. What joy and peace can fill our hearts when such worries don't grip them. He's calling us to trust and to freedom and to joy. So I don't have too much to add to that, but I've got a couple of questions that we can ask ourselves. And I, it's just time for, reflect, for reflection and um, maybe... Nadia, you can come up. I think we'll just have chilled, quiet worship. But I've got a couple of questions. We're just going to take some time to to connect with the Lord and allow Him to to free us. <clears throat> some of these questions that I had to ask myself, and I, I put it to all of us, in the hopes of bringing some freedom, is: Do you have an abundant storehouse that you've set your hopes on and put your trust in? Or conversely, do you have a dwindling or empty storehouse that you are anxious about? The other is, do you find yourself walking by faith more and more or less and less? Ah, that's a good one. Because the more we store up and the more we feel safe about what we've stored up, the more self-sufficient we become. Hmm, maybe the less we need to trust God for things. And I actually thought about this. I, mean, I thought if I had to take it really to the place of trusting God for my daily bread, if I literally had to trust God to deliver food to my house, and we've, we've had the privilege of Jan and Wendy um, Slubbert being with us, and they told us about just such a time in their lives. It was a short time, but God took them through a season like that. And they had to trust for literally for food for that day, you know? Not trust for all of these other things that we worry about, but they had to trust for those things. And in a way, when we're too self-sufficient, we actually close ourselves off from a lot of the kingdom realities that we could experience. Think about someone who must trust God for his daily bread. He says, okay, today, Lord, I trust you for food to be delivered to my house. Lo and behold, someone knocks at the door and says, yeah, we've got some food for you. The joy of the kingdom that you can experience there is, is actually just not available to you when you're like, yeah, I'm sorted for food. Like, you start to niggle about other problems. Ah, oh, Lord, can you do this? Can you do this? Maybe you start to sound like this brother who says, Lord, my brother doesn't want to share his inheritance with me. God's like, come on. <laughs> I'm going to take care of you. Stop being attached to those things. The last question is, who can you be kind or generous to? And whose needs can you place above your desires for more? Again, this is not like a, maybe you must just start sharing the bit that you have. It's not, I'm not actually talking about like a, you know, that's the interesting thing in the Bible. The different people that responded to Jesus responded differently. You know, the one guy, Jesus said, sell everything you have and follow me. When Zacchaeus was in the tree, he says, look, Lord, I give half my stuff and uh pay all my debts and everyone who've wronged I pay back it's not really about the offering as so much as the heart okay so please don't feel like that 
as well. Don't, don't go into a spin about things. But ask the Lord, maybe is there someone whose needs I can meet? Someone whose needs, someone who I can share with and put that joy and that desire before you more than the desire for more for yourself. All right, you can stand with us as we do a time of worship. And we're actually just going to give a time of quietness. I'll repeat the questions just now and just take some time to respond to the Lord. If any of those questions resonate with you and you want to speak to the Lord about it, do so. If you want to pray with anyone about it at the front, share it. You are most welcome to do so. But we're just going to take some time and I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you again for your presence with us. Holy Spirit, that you do not leave us as orphans. We just thank you that you do not sit afar and watch our performance and give us a 2 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. It's, it's nothing to do with that, Lord. We just see your tenderness, Jesus, in your words to your disciples. The way you speak truth to us is, is to bring us into freedom. It is to bring us into freedoms that we haven't known before. It's to cut off baggage that causes us to be stuck, that causes us to be inert, that gives us, uh, just makes our walk so heavy, Lord. You speak truth to cut the ties with that baggage. We see your tenderness. We see your, your love for your children. Or we just see that your, your heart actually... It, your, your heart breaks in a way when you see your children <clears throat> stressing like the rest of the world does. Stressing as if we were orphans. Stressing and running around to take care of ourselves as if we were orphans that had to take care of ourselves. And it is from this place that you speak to us and, and, and your heart breaks when you see your children running after wealth or, pers- or allowing greed to take over or allowing covetousness and envy to, f- to form our lives and to form our paths. You see us piercing ourselves with many pangs, inflicting many wounds on ourselves because of that attachment. And in your love, you caution us. You say, just don't. Just don't do that. Don't have that attachment. Please, I'm, I'm saying to you, look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. They don't have any of these things that you're chasing after, but they are cared for. Your value compared to a crow, compared to a flower, is exponentially more. And I want you to just know that. I want you to live that and experience that love. I want you to experience my love and my care for you in that way. You say, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Seek the Father. Break those attachments. Seek the Father. Don't worry. You will be taken care of. You will not lack. You will not walk around. Needs unmet. God has got such an abundant storehouse from which to bless you and provide for you. But a heart that's linked to getting more and getting more and getting more actually can't be trusted with more. Because it becomes a a stumbling block or a a hindrance between you and the Father. God is 
so generous, so rich in blessing and provision. But he wants us to have our hearts turned towards him and not distant from him because we are self-sufficient or taking care of ourselves. And so, Father, we thank you for your presence with us, your tenderness with us, Holy Spirit, as our counselor and as our helper. You help us along the way. You help us into greater freedom. You help us into greater clarity and greater truth. And Father, I pray that if if it is the case that we have a large storehouse, if we're heading in the direction of that that rich fool who said, I'm just going to store up more and more for myself so that I can finally relax. Lord, I pray that you would show us and just show us the foolishness of that pursuit that we may lay hold of, of you, lay hold of your provision. And Father, if it is the case that we are lying awake at night, stressed, if it is the case that we are fighting, that we, we're fighting with our spouses or fighting with relatives about possessions or money, Lord, because we're afraid of the future, I really pray that you would show that to us now as well, Lord. If we've built anxieties into our hearts and built anxieties into the way we live because of fears of future provision, show that to us, Lord. I pray that you would, you would cut that attachment in our hearts and I pray that you would couch and settle our hearts in your care, in the knowledge and, and belief and faith in your care and faithfulness. And if it is, Father, that we find ourselves walking less and less dependent on you, less and less seeking you and trusting you, I pray, Father, that you would show that too. If it is the case that we walk less and less by faith, I pray that you'd reorientate us, Lord. Reorientate us to walk more and more by faith because faith pleases you. Our whole walk is a life of faith, committing our whole lives, casting all our whole soul and life and body upon the care of God, upon the mercy of God. And Father, I pray that you'd also just show us whose needs we can meet. Who we can share with, Lord. When you say it's more blessed to give than to receive, we believe you, Lord, but I pray that we may experience it all the more. may partake in the joy of just generous giving, Lord, the joy that you had. Just such joy in giving and giving and giving and giving. Father, we trust you that you would break baggage, loose the baggage that, that weighs us down, Lord. Just take some time to speak to the Lord. Nadia's just going to play, play a song for us. But take the time to respond to God. And as I said, if you'd like prayer with someone at the front, you're also most welcome to come forward.